Hello and welcome to the No Film School podcast. You have Jason Hellerman with you today hosting. Today we have a really fun guest. Her name is Heidi Lux. She is an incredible screenwriter. I think she has a really interesting journey to talk to us about. So hello, Heidi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're so happy to have you. The way I met Heidi is really fun. I'm day-to-day writer here. I cover the screenwriting beat, and I had been reaching out to some different producers and different people who have worked with uh, different screenwriting competitions and screenwriting formats. I talked to a couple of people at Stage 32 who introduced me to Heidi, and you know, I was just so intrigued when I met her and following her journey, just the unconventional ways she's broken in and the things she's done. So I'm so happy to bring you here to talk to our listeners uh, who are always interested in screenwriting and breaking in to share your journey. Thanks. Yeah, it's been definitely unconventional. I actually went to school for acting, so I definitely did not go to film school. I did experimental theater at NYU, and now I'm a screenwriter. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, so why don't you just give us a little background of who you are, where you're from, and then we can take it from there. I was born in New York, but I grew up in Florida, which was pretty unforgivable on my parents' part. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Um, What did they do to you? No wonder you have (laughs) stories to tell. Yeah, I just deep, deep trauma of being raised in Florida. No, I was, I was born in Manhattan. My mom is a Polish immigrant. She came here. Um, she escaped communism. Like my, my whole family, like on my mom's side has like intense, like dark, dark stories of like murder and like just persecution and starvation. And then now I write comedy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What what a natural journey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like crazy to like think of like everything like my babcha went through like she had like this awful terrible life of just like suffering and suffering and suffering. Like her brother was like one of the first people shot by the Nazis when they came through. Her, oh, yeah. her husband was murdered by Russians because he was part of the anti-communist resistance and then now I Great fart jokes for a living. So and and great <laughs> fart jokes at that. You know, you're you're making your ancestors proud. You know, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it makes all their suffering worth it because now I don't have to suffer and I can bring joy to other people, which is which is actually beautiful. It's beautiful. So eventually, you get out of Florida. Were you you know a film and TV fan growing up? Was it was it something you were always interested, in or how did that come about? Yeah, I was a weird child. I was really into like classic movies. I went to a high school that was for acting. I always thought I wanted to be an actress because I think you in Florida, especially back then, like the path to be a writer isn't as obvious as some of the other paths, like, like acting. It's very like front and center. Like you can see it like, and I think there's like this whole different reality on how you perceive show business. Like if you're from like a small, I mean, it's not that small, but like a smaller, like kind of out of the way town, like, um, like Tampa Bay, um, where I'm from. And so I was like, okay, acting like that's what showbiz is. Um, and then I was always writing my own stuff. Like I was really into sketch comedy. So I was writing sketches in high school. And then I went to college and I started taking improv classes outside of school. And I was like, this is it. Like, I, it was like this combination of writing and acting that was so fun. So I basically kind of, when I was there to like really, really study acting, I kind of realized that I actually like writing more. I always say, <laughs> I think that like, for a lot of people, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Not, that's not yeah. Yeah. I always say I would rather write a herpes commercial than be in a herpes commercial. And I think that. <laughs> 
when like that's when it's like okay this is like doing it commercially for a living you're gonna have to like prostitute your out yourself out in some way I'd rather prostitute myself out as a writer <laughs> for money absolutely um, yeah of course I mean I think that's the greatest metaphor you heard it here no films go first I'd rather write a herpes commercial than star in one that's amazing <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> so what eventually brings you to Los Angeles I think a lot of it was the weather. Um, I'm, you know, from a sunny climate and, you know, I have a target or grew up with like an accessible target. And in New York, neither of those cases are the case. Uh, you have to take like five different trains to go to target. And, and they're all small in Los Angeles. Every target here is tiny for some reason. You know, I live 10 minutes away from three different targets and that is what i love about la amazing target convenience yeah yeah um and then it's also just so so cold so cold in new york i could not do it i was like i am out i need to go to la and obviously there's a lot more opportunities here in la i think the entertainment industry is more film centered um in new york it's more theater centered um i don't really think I have it in me to be like this, like pretentious, like cool New Yorker who's like really into like the theater scene and like going to like sure. the mama like all the time. Right. It's not me at all. I'm definitely like, give me the beach, give me like empty, shallow blockbuster movies. Like that is exactly. And, and as many targets as you can handle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I you think come out to Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I look, I, I live in Century City and I'm always looking for a closer target and there's one, there's two less than a mile away. So <laughs> keep building them. We'll I'll keep buying from them. <laughs> so you come to Los Angeles, you know, was there a certain moment you thought like, okay, I'm going to focus more on writing or have you always tried to, you know, keep acting in the forefront as well? Yeah. So I was, I moved out here to be an actor, which was like really intimidating immediately. Like the guy at the car rental like at the guy, the car rental was like, Oh, what have you been in? And I was like, uh, nothing. And I was like, right, Holy shit, this town is like intense. Um, yeah, and yeah, I, right away. <laughs> yes, like day one, literally day one, like within my out, first hour of being in Los Angeles. And, um, I was still like writing like all along doing sketches. Uh, I did sketch comedy at, uh, one of the theaters out here. And just kind of gravitated towards writing. I ended up, I think the thing that did it was I started hair modeling. I got divorced and started hair modeling. And I was getting different haircuts like every two weeks. And I could not keep up the headshots. And I was like, F it. This means I should just focus on writing. And then once I did that. Yeah. And then once I did that, things started opening up. And it was like, okay, yeah, this this is my calling. And it was kind of unfortunate that it like it took me that long in my life to realize this is what I meant to do but it's it was kind of there the whole time I just wasn't you know in tune to it because I was like absolutely I want to act yeah I think you know so many people come to Hollywood with different dreams and figure out what they're good at later and you know your journey you know while like (laughs) many of them don't come to act become a hair model and then find it I think so much of it is pivoting into what you're good at and also I think where you understand your strengths wind up being it so many people I think can relate to the idea of thinking one thing about the world and then learning a little bit more and I also wonder if 
seeing yourself in all those different haircuts and seeing all those different possibilities maybe sprang up that storytelling part of your brain. I'm going to go real deep here <laughs> and, and just, uh, you know, started working a different muscle as you got to, you know, re-recognize yourself and see what else is out there. But, you know, like that, that's just my own personal theory I came up with in the past 10 seconds. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's really a matter of like listening to yourself and not like what somebody else wants you to be. Cause I do feel like there was like a lot of pressure from external forces to be an actor. And I think I just needed to like, be like, Oh, Oh, I'm always writing like what? And this is, is so fun for me while like acting like scares the shit out of me. And I feel nervous right. every time I'm like in an audition like just taking that time to like listen to yourself and then also realizing that it's not necessarily a failure. Like if you didn't do one thing and you ended up doing another thing that you like more, like not doing the first thing is not, you're not terrible. You're not like a failure, or, like a piece of shit, right. for, like dropping the thing that you didn't actually really want to do. No, I think that's so important. You know, like you said, preconceived notions about what you should be doing and not necessarily what you wind up loving. I find that we're always constantly evolving, you know, whether that's focusing on, I want to be a filmmaker. And then suddenly you're, you know, knee deep in directing your third TV episode. And you're like, Oh, this is actually great. You know, it's a, it's a different vibe. So um, kudos to you for doing that. And also um, being brave enough to branch out. When you started writing, what did you write first? Were you writing features? Were you writing shorts? I know you had a lot of sketch experience, you know, how did you break out from that and then focus more on narrative content? Um, yeah, I mean, I started definitely my writing background is in sketch. I also have a background in satire. I was like one of the first writers for Reductress. I've written for McSweeney's. Oh, and then now I'm a managing ad- editor at the Belladonna Comedy, which is a website that's for women and, and marginalized genders. So that was always there. I think that's the foundation. There's not really a market for sketch comedy or short humor pieces. So I right. think to be commercial, to make money, you have to like do features or TV. And those, the skills that I developed in sketch comedy and satire, I think are so essential because when I write a longer thing, it's like now I can like focus on character or like I I can bring in the tools of character or jokes or whatever into this longer one hour narrative. And I think my, I don't know, (laughs) be pretentious for a second, but it's no, a podcast. I can talk do about it. myself. Do, but yeah, I, do it. I, I do think my work tends to be more sat- satirical because I have that satirical base or like I tend to focus on like foolish characters. Like I think there's a lot of them in Crush. Like Kate yeah. in particular is very like delusional. And so that having that base in, in satire, that really comes out in, in the characters. So I would, uh, I would recommend for like people who want to like, break into features having that foundation of improv like sketch humor writing I think it's it's a great way to like help and break break in and it also helps like with your with your portfolio like if you're trying to be a screenwriter and you've written nothing it's not as good as being a screenwriter who's like written for reductors and sweeney's all this shit so yeah um, it's better yeah, I'm here to agree with, look, I did improv all through college. And I think that even today, uh, you know, 15 years removed from the last improv show I, I was in, I still think about it in terms of like characters and yes, and and scenes and figuring things out. So I do think you're, you're building a base no matter what you're doing of what's there. So uh, I'm certainly think there's some power to it. You mentioned your movie crush. So I think it's maybe apropos we make the segue now into you have a movie made. 
how did that happen? You know, I, did, were you, yeah. Yes. <laughs> where did that come from? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that is also like a crazy journey. I think in this business, like there's no linear way, like life is not linear. It's just this massive ball of like, I, I want to say chaos. It's not quite chaos, but it's just all these like, fortuitous events that make a movie happen. So I got the idea because I went I went through a divorce and then when I started to date I was like a child. I was like a teenage girl and I had this crush on this guy and it was awful. I was so like it made me feel like I was going crazy and then the guy turned out to be like a total piece of shit. And so oh, which is terrible to go through but like wonderful if you're a writer because you can just take all that misery and make fun of it and then other people I think other people have the experience too certainly teenage girls have it oh, I had it at 30 so hey look yeah I think it's a universal <laughs> feel look falling in love with someone who then or having a crush that turns out to be a complete piece of shit is I do think universe. if you haven't gone through it people I we recommend it you know it's uh, <laughs> fodder, fodder for everything yeah and so I I just I channeled that into the script into crushed. Um, I wanted to write a YA thing because I love I love YA. It's just like a genre that I love as like an adult woman in her thirties. I love YA. So I a lot of like YA stuff is based off of a book. Um, so right. I was just like out of my butt. I was like Heart of Darkness, and then it was like <laughs> Oh Heart of Darkness, and it actually worked. Like it's such a weird inappropriate book to base a teenage movie off of but it actually was it was great also written by hey, another another pole uh just right. conrad so i wrote that and then writing the script is maybe the easy part getting it to the right people is that's the uphill battle what was your process writing the script were you an outliner did you just kind of wing it did you write a bunch of character stuff or how did that go um, so with this one in particular, I actually was like, maybe I'll write it as a novel. So it started as a novel, and then uh, that was abandoned. And then I write, started writing it as a screenplay. And I'm in several different writers groups. And then I think one of my writers groups like really helped shape it like a lot, like oh, getting, great. yeah, getting their notes and the feedback. And I'm a big feedback person. Like I'll give it to anyone who will like read it. Sure, um, I think mean, it's so important. Yeah. It's so important because it no you help it helps you figure out when you've hit it, when you've hit the mark or when you're like have not when you're like way off base. Um yes. and I think it's very subjective, like obviously like anything else, but I think if you get a consistent note, that means you need to change it. Definitely like learning how to interpret different kinds of feedback is itself a skill because some people are very sure. like overly negative, some people are overly positive and there's a way to like kind of see beyond like the negativity or like the positivity into like what actually you need to fix. So I'm really, really big on feedback. And um, yeah, I'm an outliner. I do outline. I think, I think my outlines tend to be more like loosey goosey. I know like in TV, <laughs> like it's very like the outline is strict. Obviously it changes like along the way, but like you have to follow the outline when you sit down to write. But like, if you're writing a feature by yourself, like you have the luxury of, of changing it. So yeah, I think I always say the outline is maybe the first wrong pass. It's like, I want to see the idea yeah. all the way beginning to end. And, and look, I don't think my endings usually change. And you know, we'll, I'd love to hear about your process. But like, 
I want to see at least it written out where I can tell there's going to be a middle. Uh, but by the time I get it into my screenwriting software and I'm typing, typing through, I'm like, some of this is not going to happen in this movie. You know, <laughs> like, uh, like this middle is actually the beginning and the beginning is actually part of the middle and the end. And then you kind of mash it all together. But I do think it helps people to believe that they have a full idea to just see it written out, even if they don't keep any. Yes, for sure. Like, I definitely agree with you that the outline is the first wrong draft. Like, I, but you have to get it out. Like, you have to get something down on paper. That way you can change it. It's like the whole thing, writing is rewriting is like very, very true. Yes. And you just get, get it all out right away. I do a vomit draft. Like, I do an outline, then I plug the outline into final draft. And then I write a vomit draft, like the shitty version of what the scene is. Sure. Um, based off of the outline and then then I can come in and then I like make discoveries and find out like oh this is actually this character thinks this and oh here's a relationship right. there like it's very yeah you just have to like vomit it out like just throw it on paper because I feel like the outline is like where or like the vomit draft is where I'm like it's the most laborious but yeah. um like once you like wade through that it's it's so much easier so after you've crushed the vomit draft for crushed, you send it to your friends, you get a lot of feedback. How did you decide it was done and ready to try and find the right people? I always, I feel like I always go through a phase where I think the screenplay is done and it's like not done at all. So I'm like, okay, I'll like send this to like the blacklist and get feedback. And then the feedback right. is like, kill yourself. Right. Um, yeah. You idiot. Heidi. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I definitely had like a point where I was like, Oh, I think this is done. And then it like wasn't done. And then there's no way to tell when it's done. Like even when I send it to Audrey for like, who ended up being my manager through stage 32, I was like, okay, maybe it's not done. And right. she was like, this is great. Like I want to send it out. <laughs> I was like, okay. Like, I think that's when you know it's done when like another person is like, I'm going to send it out. Right. Yeah. As soon as somebody wants to give it to somebody else, then it then a draft is locked, and then you lie and say that's your first draft. That's yeah. Your, yeah. Yeah. It just it just came out this way. Right. Yeah. I just like I wrote it in a day. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about finding your manager through stage thirty two because this is something we're interested in. Um, on our website a couple months ago, we actually ran a test where we ran the same screenplay through stage thirty two, the blacklist, uh, and then another independent script service called get made and then cross-reference what different readers liked what you know how far did it get things like that so i'm very interested just in hearing what like boots on the ground someone who used stage 32 all the way through getting a manager and then having that manager help get their movie made yeah i actually read that article um which is it's very interesting i think there definitely is like quite a difference between the script coverage services like having used some of them and having read I actually read for stage 32. So, um, okay, cool. Good yeah. 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 So I like, once it was like, I felt it was done. I like started getting, trying to get it out to everybody. I submitted it to contests. I, um, just like cold emailed managers. I actually cold emailed one manager who was like, yeah, I'll read it. And then he emailed me back with like, a, just like a brief, like, Oh, not for me. And <laughs> then the next week he signed my old writing partner who's a guy, and I was like, okay, like, sure, like, the script about, like, a teenage girl is, like, not gonna be for, like, the 40-year-old guy, like. Sure. So I think it's, it's very, it very much so is, like, trying to find, like, finding the person who's right for you. 
especially because my stuff is like it's a lot more girly like it's not for 40 year old men it's for like sure yeah it's for women yeah which by the way listeners we need you know like these are things that are like necessary and marketable you know and i think it's important to have in the industry yeah yeah and it's i think it's it really is like a matter of like don't get discouraged like just because like somebody who's not your audience is not responding to your script it's like yeah no duh like it's not for this person you have to find the person it's for like there really is an audience for everything nowadays absolutely and yeah. not everything is for everybody. Like, not even Marvel is for everybody. Like, sure, yeah. <laughs> Marvel's supposed to be for like the most amount of people, and there's still people who don't like it. So I was looking for a manager, and I, as a reader, like they give you, um, if you read a certain amount of scripts, they give you like a code, and you can get like a code oh, okay. for free. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it was so fantastic. Like, I am so grateful for it. So I like. I was like, sure, I'll like, I'll do like a consultation with Audrey. Like she's a woman, she's looking for comedy. Like she's looking for stuff that's commercial. Like this is what I do. And so I had a consultation with her and she was like, she loved it. And I was quite surprised because it was like coming off at the heels of like this rejection by the guy who like then signed my old writing partner, who theoretically I'm on equal footing with because we wrote together. Right. <laughs> and uh, and so she, yeah, she, she loved it. And then she, she gave it to people like at our company and they loved it. And eventually like again, it, they, she gave it to Tubi and then Tubi loved it. And it was just all these, like, like all the right people seeing it. And that. Yeah. Your audience finally stepping out of the shadows towards you and saying, you know, give us this. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I, I think like, if you try to go for the wrong audience, you're going to be like pushing the wrong way on a door. You know, it's like, it's never it's never gonna like it's gonna be so hard like because like that's not your door like go to this other door that's open for you so it really (laughs) it really is like you have to part of your strategy has to be finding your your niche or your tribe or whatever you want to say finding your absolutely little yeah find your people and the people with money to pay to make your ideas real yeah Mm -hmm. exactly it's that easy Yeah. What was production like on the movie? Were you on set a lot? You know, did you have to do, you know, if you can talk about like different rewrites or tweaking things based on budget or character? It was crazy fast. Like Tubi is so fantastic. It was such a pleasant experience because it sold in December. I did rewrites in January. It went to production in February. It wrapped in March. It came out in April, which is like, (laughs) what? Like that yeah. never happens. And a lot of what you see on screen, like is the, is what I, what I wrote, like the rewrite, uh, there's some changes, like the tuba sure. kid was supposed to be a snake kid. Like you, you're never supposed to see Jason Curtis's face, but like, I think those changes yeah. are like, like, I don't care. <laughs> like it's like, sure. it's, yeah, minimal. Yeah. It's amazing. Like I, it was so fantastic they got the director nikki Koss is like fantastic the girl who played kate db wood is like so great jason curtis like nicholas chavez is like so funny like so fucking funny like oh my god and then bailey is who played rachel is like my new favorite person she's so (laughs) funny like she did a lot of improv and like i'm like oh my god this is chef's kiss good like i could not come up with that on page like it was really you know my background is in experimental theater and sketch comedy right. so i love collaboration when everybody brings like their thing to the table and i do sure. feel like everybody like brought their thing to the table and it's like this beautiful 
potluck like buffet of wonderfulness. Yeah, they shot it in 12 days, which is that insane. is wild. Yeah, they yeah. I oh my god. And then um oh my god, I'm such an asshole. I'm blanking on her name. Kylie Russell, who played Hannah, is yes. so perfect. Like she's so good, like so much better than I imagined. And like <laughs> they all had like one take, two takes to like get it done. And I'm like I'm so impressed by like all these talented people. I think they'll all like <laughs> maybe be much more successful than me. Like I mean, they, some they already are, but like <laughs> I, yeah, they're. But they're always going to need screenplays, you know. That's the good <laughs> part. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I did get to go on set. I got to go on set on the last day, which was really, really fun. Such a beautiful moment to see something that you've written like come to life. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and such a such a fulfillment of that first vomit draft shitty outline of just seeing it live. And you're like, it it pays to work hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's like, this is like one that was like kind of personal to me. So like to have it like not like, for lack of a better word, like fucked with like in sure. like the whole like development process was like, such a relief and like when I got the first notes from the rewrite from from Tubi like they understood it like they understood what I was going for and it was like great such a relief no that's awesome you know given all that is there are there any lessons you learned you know through the rewrite through post through whatever that maybe are changing the way you're working on new material or things you're like oh I won't do this or, or you know I should have thought about this when I was writing that's a really good question I actually haven't thought about it I I do like to like dissect like what works, what doesn't. Um, definitely right. like when I watched it, like I did see a lot of the flaws. And so I'm like, okay, well, like we'll fix like this for a different thing. Cause you can never go. It's like the horrible, right. <laughs> the horrible <laughs> part about it is you can't go back and fix the thing you did. You can only like fix future things. So yeah, I mean, I definitely, <laughs> definitely uh, uh, picked it apart as, as one does. <laughs> of course. Yeah, exactly. That's only natural. It's like, I think like women tend to like pick apart their own appearance. Like if you see a photo of yourself, you're like, oh my God, my nose so my nose is so big. Like what right. is the space I'm making? And so it was like that, but with like, my writing. It was so of awful. Course. Like, oh my God, I, I look the, that. <laughs> the, next, the, next, uh, the next thing you'll do a makeover, you know, on your own uh, version of whatever. I think yeah. so much of this is a learning process and so many things change from the original idea you have in the head to what hits the screen, to what gets tweaked, to what comes out, to what gets edited, you know, and it's important to think about like the journey your ideas go on. And I think the one thing I want to highlight for everybody is what you talk about, which is collaboration, right? It's like the idea that hits the page really uh, is a blueprint for the movie that gets made later. And it, sometimes it's all in there, right? You know, and you're Aaron Sorkin and people have to say things to the syllable. And sometimes it is just like, an idea that you're getting out that you're trying to get other people to vibe with in a way to make people laugh and cry and, and do whatever. So there's no one way to do it. And uh, collaboration shows you sometimes I think the best way to find a collective voice to tell the same story. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, you have a movie in the can you're writing and working now You know what's next for Heidi. What's next is uh, I'm writing my fingers down to nubs. <laughs> I think <it's, laughs> somebody's like, "Oh, you have this movie out. Are you going to coast?" And I'm like, "No. Like now is when I like really have to like step it up and like absolutely 
so I'm I'm writing another teen comedy. Um, I think it's gonna be like you know, there's like the trope of like oh the nerdy girl who like or like the nerdy girls who really study the whole time and now they have to like party and get laid. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's um it's like it's a play on that. And then I'm writing a rom com now, which will be the death of me. I am at the <laughs> point where I like I hate it and I want to just like tear it into pieces which I think probably means it's almost done. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're so close to finished, it sounds like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's that one I I, I really want it to be done. And then I'm, um, I'm writing on a, a Nickelodeon animation show right now, which has been really fun. And, Amazing. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm writing so much. Yeah, that's it. I'm doing 10 things anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's more like I'm, I, sure. I uh, have like dedicated writing time every day, like make like a certain amount of hours and I'm like, sit down, write. Like I don't get up until like, you know, the clock hits a certain time and sure. yeah, I'm constantly, constantly writing. That's awesome. I mean, I think it's obviously paid off from uh, even just your earliest journey and and where it's gone now. We're just wondering, you know, we like to leave people with a little advice. Do you have any, you know, ironclad writing advice you want to give our listeners or just things you've heard over the course of time that, you know, maybe you think they need to hear again or, or hear even louder from you? Oh, that's a really good one. Yes. Don't use a fucking, sorry for my language. (laughs) I'm very passionate about this. Don't use fucking semicolons in your screenplay. (laughs) 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 It's way too formal. It's a lot of them are not used correctly. Like, just don't do it. Like, a screenwriting, a screenplay is supposed to be fast. Like, it's supposed to be more casual. Like, it, it's supposed to be action oriented. Don't slow it down with a fucking semicolon, especially in your dialogue lines. Oh, you heard it here first, people. Semicolon's <laughs> gone. Yeah. <laughs> don't use is like blanking, like is running. Just right. be like runs. Like, it's Got not. It. uh use fast language um that's my uh advice it's real advice it's kind of a joke i'm joking but it's really real like don't use a semicolon um but i think my real advice is you constantly have to uh study your craft i think um i was on another podcast recently and uh they're like what's your advice and i was like be a student of comedy and i think that is the advice i will give on this podcast is you really have to like know your shit you have to like study and know the rules inside and out because when you then you can um you can fly you have to like know the rules to be free or whatever well i mean <laughs> i think it really look it rolls right into what we hope no film school is which is all of the education and all the ongoing learning for people interested in film filmmaking movies tv screenwriting all of the above without the price of film school no film school required you know making your own things learning it being a student is uh, important and understanding where these ideas come from and how you can execute them. I always say, look, you said it earlier, if you know a trope, then you can subvert a trope, you can attack a trope, you can you can use a trope. And, but, but it starts with knowing, it starts with education and being a student of you know, the kinds of things you're going to write and the kinds of things you're going to do. Exactly. And you don't have to go to film school to like learn film. You, like, you, I, like I started in acting, I started in like rolling around on the floor and like finding my <laughs> voice like in experimental theater. And I, when I started screenwriting, I like really like read everything I could get my hands on. And I think when you get that to that point, when you have knowledge, like then you have confidence. 
especially like for women, it's like you have to have confidence because then you can put yourself out there and feel comfortable. And it really does start with a foundation of like knowing your shit. Yeah, uh, truly. Well, Heidi, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today and kind of going through your journey. You can check out Crushed on Tubi. And is there anything else you want to plug for us here? Yeah. So I'm part of a flash mob for Ukraine. Oh, okay. We love this. Yeah. uh, We perform um, in Los Angeles. So if you're in LA, you can look up Stand With Ukraine LA on Instagram um, and find out when our rehearsals are. We rehearse every Tuesday at the Ukrainian Culture Center. And come, come dance with us, come support Ukraine. It's very fun. You don't have to be Ukrainian, but it's very a very warm environment um, that's protesting something that's so awful and ugly. Um, so come, come dance with us. That sounds amazing. What an excellent plug. I, look, I'm going to, I have sneakers. I have, uh, I can do this. I can dance, I think. Uh, I can't wait to meet you and we'll do it there. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, no film school listeners, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>